Welcome to this episode of Come Follow Me, A Disciple's Journey. This episode will cover section six of the Doctrine and Covenants. So I gave some background in the overview chapter or a, a episode of this po- of the podcast. So if you missed that, be sure to check that out. Uh, a little bit more context in section six. So I mentioned in the previous episode that the Lord had promised Joseph help was coming to help to um, accomplish the work that he was doing, and that actually came uh, in section five of the Doctrine and Covenants, verse thirty four. And if you recall, that was given uh, in March of 1829. So this is it's just a month before uh, before Oliver comes in April. Even less than a month. But Joseph has no idea that, that these, this, this preparation of Oliver had already been taking place. So, uh, by the way, it's verse 34 of section 5 says, Yea, for this cause I have said, Stop and stand still until I command thee, and I will provide means whereby thou mayest accomplish the thing which I have commanded thee. So he's like, just wait, I'm going to send you help. Section 6, Oliver comes. Um, Oliver helps because he's, you know, well-read and can write really well. Day 1, I believe, was April 5th or 6th of 1829. Uh, the first day that he's there, he helps Joseph deal with a legal matter, which some people have uh, assumed actually had to deal with uh, a debt to Emma's father and getting the property that they were living on uh, taken care of, basically. And then the next day they begin translating. And Joseph gives, gives receives this revelation uh, on April 7th, 1829. And, uh, or thereabout, right as, there, as, as it... Um, beginning and Oliver is there. So one of the things that had happened is Oliver had prayed to know about if this work was real and God had had told him that it was. And then he came and he still wanted a little bit more proof and evidence. And he wanted to, to, um, just have that, have a reassurance. And so verse 23, I'm going to start with that, even though it's in the middle is one of my favorite verses, because it's something that I need to be reminded all the time from the Lord. The Lord says through the prophet Joseph to Oliver, Did I not speak peace to your mind concerning the matter? What greater witness can you have than from God? And Oliver was astounded because he hadn't told anybody about his prayer. He hadn't told anybody about his experience and the peace that he had felt and the the, the knowledge that had come to him. And here Joseph spoke to him as, as though he could know his, his thoughts and know what had happened. And he could because God had, told, had talked to Joseph and told Joseph about it. And so that astounded Oliver. Uh, but I did, like I said, it's one of my favorite verses in, in this section because I think it's easy in my life to look at all of the things going on in the world. or And when I say world, yeah, sure, at large, but like in my world, right? When I'm in need of, of some blessing and I pray and the Lord gives me some assurance that uh, some specific thing, it's going to work out, you know, whatever, whatever it may be. But then I get up and I go to my throughout my day, and then every worldly thing, every worldly evidence says there's no possible way that this is going to work out. And how can that be? How there's no way you you misunderstood, you made up that was just your own you know your your own thoughts that you're trying to make yourself feel good that that wasn't God. And so then I go back to the Lord, and I've I've basically heard, had this scripture come to my mind on min, I mean word for word because. 
I believe the Lord speaks to us through the scriptures and through scriptural verses. And as we study, he can call those things to our mind. And I've had that verse come back to me many times. Did I not speak peace to you, to your mind concerning the matter? What greater witness can can you have than from God? It doesn't matter what the world says or what evidences you see with your eyes. I am God. I know all. I see the end from the beginning. You can't see Ammon preparing to come and save you, Limhi. You can't see Oliver praying and knowing and being prepared to come and help you, Joseph. But just hold on and I'll send you help. It's coming. You can't see the end of this trial, Jarrett. You can't see the end. And yes, it looks so hard. And yeah, things are going terribly, it looks like, right? But I am preparing a way. I am preparing a deliverance. Hold on. Hold faithful. Be faithful to me. And to me, that's the essence of what faith is. It's choosing to believe God, despite what our eyes and our mind might see and say. That's what faith is. It's not It's not not seeing those things. It's not not have, experiencing those questions. But what is important is, another one of my favorite verses from this section is verse 36. And honestly, one of my favorite verses of all scriptures, of all the general, uh, of all the standard works. Look unto me in every thought. Doubt not, fear not. He doesn't say question. As a matter of fact, throughout scriptures, he tells us to question. He says, knock. He says, seek. He says, ask. Right? But what he also says is, do not doubt and do not fear. Doubt not, fear not. And as we look unto him, that's the, that's the act of faith, is choosing to look to him instead of uh, being preoccupied and letting the doubts and letting the worldly things take our attention. They're going to be there and they're going to call for our attention. And sometimes you're going to glance over there. But where true faith is and what true faith is, is making the, the conscious decision to look back to the Lord and doubt not and fear not. It's like, you know, it's like courage, right? People who have courage don't experience, they don't not experience fear. You know, firefighters running into a, a burning building, it's not because it's not that they're not afraid that gives them courage. It's that they that they do experience fear, but they they choose to do it anyway. That is courage. And faith is the same. It's a choice, it's an action, it's a choice to look unto God in every thought and doubt not and fear not. Not and again, he doesn't say don't ask questions. He's Throughout all scriptures, ask, seek, knock. He tells us, he instructs us to ask questions because he wants us to try to seek to understand. And sometimes that understanding will come quickly and sometimes it won't. But as we continue to ask, seek, and knock, we will get more and more light. And eventually, maybe it's even in the next life, eventually we will get that understanding. But we only get that understanding if we are not doubtful or fearful. Okay, so I want to go through a few uh, more verses here. Those are kind of, I guess, before we get into anything else, I will just kind of, let's do the tour, tour to Jared here of my favorite verses, and then I'll go through, uh, pick out a few of the verses with some quotes and, and things from uh, general authorities and church-related resources and things. So another one of my favorite verses of this section that I think of often is um, number four, number four, verse four, 
Whosoever will thrust in his sickle and reap, the same is called of God. It's reminiscent of section four. Um, but this this phrase, called of God, uh, it it it's, has stuck with me since my mission. There's several verses throughout scriptures that that use that phrase. There's quite a few in the Doctrine and Covenants, especially, and that stuck out to me because. I want to be called of God. And like, you know, we think of that uh, in, in terms of the, the context of section four, for example, being called of God is like, hey, you're called to the work. God is calling you. But the way that I think about this is I want to be called of God, meaning that I am, I am God. I am God's. I belong to him. And I want to be that. I want to be, I want to belong to him. And I want to, and so I want to be called of God. And whosoever will thrust in his sickle and reap, the same is called of God. Like I said, there's been, there's a bunch of verses like this, but this verse specifically tells us what we, one of the things we need to do to be called of God, and that is work. Go and 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 do the work. And uh, obviously, as a missionary, this is where this kind of I started seeing that these types of verses, and it was about. You know, getting up and going and doing missionary work. And I think that same applies to us all today, right? Sharing the gospel. But whatever work you're called to do, what, what's your calling in your in your ward or branch? What's your assignment uh, as, a, as a priesthood holder or as a husband or as a father or as a mother? Lift where you stand. And as long as you lift where you stand, you're, you will be called of God. It's one of the requirements. All right, it's another verse... Um, we're exiting the Torah Jarrett now, and we're going to go into some other things. Verse 7, the Lord promises Oliver that he'll uh, see and learn the mysteries of God. And so I thought it would be uh, nice to know what a mystery is. It says, spiritual truths. This comes from uh, the guide to the scriptures, by the way. Uh, spiritual, mysteries of God are spiritual truths known only by revelation. God reveals his mysteries to those who are obedient to the gospel. And so when we receive something, some truth, the revelation, that's a mystery. Something that only God can tell us. And we uh, are worthy of those through our obedience and through uh, diligent study and prayer and uh, and doing our part as we'll learn, right? Because Oliver's told in verse, in, in section six, you're going you're to um, be able to have be shown the mysteries of God. But later on in sections eight and nine, he's going to be told how to do that. And he's going to be chastised for not doing his part. And so receiving the mysteries of God are, uh, there's there's some things that we, there's some work involved. There's some thrusting in our sickle that is involved. And, uh, you know, receiving those and receiving that revelation is a spiritual gift. Oliver uh, had a spiritual gift of, of revelation, honestly, of receiving revelation as one of his spiritual gifts that he was able to easily receive revelation. He used a divining rod, which was a common practice during, at the time and during the day. It was a common practice in, in ancient Israel of using some object, typically, you know, a metal rod or it could even be sticks and being guided with by them. And, you know, we think of that as like, well, that's witchcraft tomfoolery going on here. But look, the Lord often uses objects to focus our faith 
Joseph used the Urim and Thummim to begin uh, translating. And by the end of his translation and by the end of him, his, his days as a prophet, he would receive revelation without the aid of anything. Be, but at the beginning, he needed something to... We're, we're, we're carnal beasts, and the Lord is, is uh, merciful and gives us those types of things. And so um, you might read that. You might read about the divining rod, and so I wanted to point it out and, and say, look, yeah, it might sound weird, but the Lord... And I'm sure you all just heard, got to hear my lovely Alexa chime, so you're welcome for that. Uh, but Oliver was given a gift of revelation, and yeah, he sometimes used this divining rod. And the Lord pointed it out and says, look, you've got this gift. But if thou wilt do good, yea, and if thou wilt hold out faithful to the end, thou shalt be saved in the kingdom of God, which is the greatest of all the gifts of God. There is no gift greater than the gift of salvation. So between section 6 8 and 9, which remember I told you, they kind of get grouped together. There's a lot about revelation. And it's speaking, again, the context is speaking to Oliver Cowdery, and the Lord acknowledges throughout these sections, Oliver, I have given you this gift of revelation, but you've there's some work involved for you to do. Verses 14 through 17, the Lord tells Oliver, as, as many times as you have prayed to me, and again, you don't talk about his gift, he says, as oft as thou hast inquired, um, Thou hast received instruction of my spirit. If it had not been so, thou wouldst not have come to this place where thou art at this time. Another one of these verses that, that I think of often, that the Lord says, Look, you've asked me, and as as many times as you've prayed sincerely, I've given you an answer. And those answers, those revelations, have led you to where you are. Yeah, look, you're in this new predicament. But you wouldn't even have come this far if it wasn't for me. So keep trusting, keep relying on me. To Oliver, he says, You wouldn't be here in harmony if I hadn't given you a revelation, you, but you know that I gave you, you know that I answered. So continue, continue to pray and, and ask and seek and knock. Richard G. Scott said, one of the greatest lessons that each of us needs to learn to ask, is to ask. Why does the Lord want us to pray Him, uh, pray to him and to ask? Because that is how revelation is received. If you feel that God has not answered your prayers, ponder these scriptures, Doctrine and Covenant section uh, 6, and then carefully look for evidence in your own life that he may have already answered you. And I love that. And that's one of the reasons I think about this scripture all the time is, am I praying about something the Lord has already given me an answer for? And I think too often in my life, the answer to that question is yes. And so I invite you to do the same. Is there a problem that you're trying to solve or a trial that you're trying to overcome? And has the Lord already spoken peace to your mind? Has the Lord already given you that answer? Section 22 through 24, the Lord says again, uh, I read verse 23 earlier, but this is when the Lord says, did I not speak peace to your mind? And again, that letter Scott uh, in talking about these verses says, the feeling of peace is the most common confirming witness that I, have per- that I personally experience. When I have been very concerned about an important matter, struggling to resolve it without success, I continue those efforts in faith. Later, an all-pervading peace has come, settling my concerns as he has promised. And we take that, I think, for granted that we know that that's how the Lord speaks. Joseph and Oliver are brand new to the Spirit. They're brand new to uh, at least this measure of the Spirit that is that is uh, prevalent in in the saints' lives in the latter days. The Spirit was could could you know work with men and could guide men, and when, where there was truth, the Spirit was right. Uh, I'm, I'm talking about before the, the restoration of the gospel and the uh, beginning of the restoration of the gospel. 
But now here, as the gospel has uh, begin has begun to uh, be restored in our, in our day, we we get to experience this ec- extra measure of the Spirit. We we get to be given the gift of the Holy Ghost. We get to go to church all the time and be taught how this how the Spirit speaks and teaches us. They're new, and so it's through sections six, eight, and nine again, especially those sections, the Lord is. Uh, gives us a lot of information about how revelation happens, and it's you know it's these ver- it's these sections where we're going to learn that it's our heart and in our mind, and it's did I not speak peace to your mind, and it's the, it's those types of things that uh, we get to learn because Joseph and Oliver asked questions and then recorded the answer. So near the end of section six, verses twenty five through twenty eight, Oliver's told that he's going to. Um, is he's promised that he's going to be given a second gift, and that's going to be the uh, gift and keys of translation. And so that's what's going to lead us into sections. I mean, seven really is involved in this as well, but eight and nine. Oliver's told he's going to be able to translate, and we don't know much about his attempts to translate, but we know that they were a, fa- a failure, and that's where sections eight and nine really come into play. But what we do know also is that he was a, a invaluable and a key element of the translation of the Book of Mormon. And the restoration of the priesthood and uh, the, of both the Aaronic and Melchizedek priesthood, the organization of the church. And so uh, this promise, though, may not have been quite fulfilled in the way that Oliver was expecting it, but he was uh, integral in the, in the translation of the Book of Mormon and then the, the coming forth of the gospel. All right, so I kind of got a little... Carried away as I, was, as I was talking, and so now I got to circle back to a few other verses with some some uh, notes and comments. Um, so verse nine says, "Say nothing but repentance." And I found this uh, in I actually don't even remember where I found this, so but I'm going to read it, and so I'll say author unknown for now, and I can amend that if I can find my notes. Because sin is the basic problem of our world. Repentance has been made one of the first and one of the most important principles of the gospel of Christ. A universal, genuine, and permanent repentance would close up jails, do away with our reform schools, prevent our nervous breakdowns, fill our churches, redeem our souls, and restore harmony, peace, and happiness to the world. From any point of view, repentance is one of the most praiseworthy actions in life. Through it, we abandon unworthy objectives and turn our lives upward toward the most meanwhile things. The dispensation of Jesus opened with the declaration of John the Baptist, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And on our own day, Lord has said, Say nothing but repentance unto this generation. Repentance is God's cure for every disease that plagues our lives. As repentance is postponed, the sin becomes more the sinner becomes more willful, and upward change becomes more difficult. If this godly gift is not used, it may lapse into impotence, and the soul may be lost. I love that. And uh, we get... It's a verse that might get lost in this section, but I wanted to point it out that the Lord says, say nothing but repentance, because why? Turning to the Lord and repenting is what solves all all the <laughs> ills of the world. Um, in talking about, now I'm going to move on, in talking about section, or verses uh, 14 through 17, where the Lord said, hey, look, I've, as often as you've asked, I've answered. Uh, Tad Callister said, A wise leader will teach the deacon's quorum president that those principles that will be helpful in obtaining revelation, he may teach him the unequivocal promise of the Lord. If thou shalt ask, thou shalt receive revelation upon revelation. The Lord is most generous in giving revelation. Did he not remind Joseph Smith and Oliver Cowdery? 
as oft as thou hast inquired, thou hast received instruction of my spirit. And so it can be with you, the deacon's corn president, or any, I think he, you know, he's using deacon's corn president just to say this applies to everyone. The Lord loves you and wants you to reveal to you, wants to reveal to you his mind and his will. Could you ever imagine the Lord having a problem he could not solve? I can't. Because you're entitled to revelation, he can help you solve every concern you have as prep in your sphere of, of influence. Verse 20 is a, another great verse, and I, here's a, here's a quote from President Uchtdorf about it, uh, Elder Uchtdorf. Well, and he says, that the verse says, Be faithful and diligent in keeping the commandments of God, and I will encircle thee in the arms of, thy, of my love forever. Uh, Elder Uchtdorf said, Got it. Uh, excuse me. I believe that as you immerse yourselves in the work of your Father, as you create beauty, and as you are compassionate to others, God will encircle you in the arms of his love. Discouragement, inadequacy, and weariness and weariness will give way to a life of meaning, grace, and fulfillment. As sons and daughters of our Heavenly Father, happiness is your heritage. You are choice children of our Heavenly Father. And through the thing and through the things you create and by your compassionate service, you are a great power for good. You will make the world a better place. Lift up your chin, walk tall, God loves you. We love and admire you. I think that's kind of where I'm gonna end this episode and just close with my testimony that I know that as I have done the work of the Lord, I have felt his arms encircle me, his his arms of love. It it actually reminds me of one of my favorite verses from the Book of Mormon, Second Nephi. Uh, chapter 1, verse 15, and it's Lehi speaking to his family. And he says, Behold, the Lord hath redeemed my soul from hell. I have beheld his glory and am encircled about eternally in the arms of his love. As we continue to seek the Lord and seek to do his will and put in that work, we qualify for that peace, for those arms of mercy. We don't earn it, but we qualify for it. And oftentimes what we need to do is remember, remember that he has encircled us. Remember that we have received those answers. And when we remember, it becomes easier to look unto him in every thought and doubt not and fear not. Thanks for listening to this episode. Next episode, we'll cover section seven of the Doctrine and Covenants. I'm going to do in order, thought about doing, you know, six and then eight and nine together and, and things, but I think we're just going to go in order. So the next section will be seven. Uh, if you want to, maybe if you even if you wanted to skip section seven, come back to it. That might be okay uh, because section eight and nine will will tie back into section six a little bit more. But uh, it would be you're not going to miss out on anything if you just go from six from six to seven and eight and nine. So thanks for listening, and I hope you'll join me in the next episode.